Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Our text for our meditation this morning is recorded for us in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the second chapter, beginning at the eighth verse. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. Dear fellow redeemed, at times the Lutheran Church has been perceived to have a strained relationship with good works. We know in the Lutheran Church that we hold near and dear to our heart our salvation that is by grace through faith, and that is very important, right? Because if our salvation is by our own good works, there could always be a level of doubt in our minds. Have I done enough to earn favor with God? Have I done enough to guarantee my spot in heaven? But knowing that God has done everything for us in Christ and even given us faith in Christ to believe in him, we can have much certainty. For this reason, maybe some Lutheran pastors at times have maybe shied away a little bit from focusing on good works. We certainly see in our text for today that we are saved by grace through faith, and if that isn't clear enough, we see what Paul explicitly says, not a result of works so that no one may boast. But then what? Then our text shifts from how we are saved to why we are saved. We are created for good works, good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. So this morning I'd like to focus then on this theme, saved for what? I've heard it been said that the Roman Catholic faith is a faith to live by and the Lutheran faith is a faith to die by. Maybe you've heard that before. And what it's referring to, what it means, is that the Lutheran faith is a very important faith to have on your deathbed, to know with great comfort and certainty that your sins are forgiven, you're going to heaven, there's nothing more that you have to do, nor, nothing more left undone. It gives you peace when you're ready to die. However, some have wondered if the Lutheran faith lacks when it comes to motivating people to live a good life and to be kind and loving toward their neighbor. And for that, they think it maybe would be important for someone to live by the Roman Catholic faith that says that you're saved by God's grace and works. And if you have that good works motivation in your life, perhaps then you'll be kind and loving to your neighbor because why would you do that if God gave you the gift of heaven for free? Now, I, of course, as a Lutheran pastor, don't hold to that. I believe that the Lutheran faith is a faith to die by, but also a faith to live by as well, giving us really the proper motivation for the Christian life. I want you to imagine that someone, had a, someone overdosed on heroin, and thankfully, they had a friend that quickly called 911, and the EMTs came rushing to their house, and they administered naloxone to them, and their life was spared. I want you to imagine that that person who had overdosed while they're in the hospital, and now that they've kind of recovered, they asked for the EMT who saved them to come into the room. 
And so he was there and, and he came in and the individual whose life was spared, they, they wanted to show their gratitude and, and to thank the MT. Thank you so much for what you did. Without your quick action, I certainly would be dead. And I'm especially grateful because now I can do more heroin. And I really like heroin. How would the EMT respond? He'd say, well, no, that's not why I rescued you. That's not why I saved you. I didn't do it so that you could return back again to your drugs. I did it so that you could live a new and different life. So you'd have a new outlook on life. A life away from drugs, free from drugs. In a sense, that's maybe a picture of what God has done for us in Christ, that God has rescued us, us who were in a desperate situation on account of our sins, certainly to die, to perish forever in hell. But God set to work very quickly in sending Jesus Christ as our Savior from sin, not only to live a perfect and holy life in our place, but also to die an innocent death on the cross for you and for me. But he did even more. God in his grace also sent the Holy Spirit to you as he worked through his word and through his sacrament of baptism to bring you new life, new life of faith, and to make you a new creation in him. And he has given you that new life, not so that you can return back again to your sin, but so that you can live for him and to have eternal life forever in heaven. Now that's not to say that, that God is going to refuse to forgive you if you ever went back again to the same sin. No, by no means, just like the EMT who's going to go to the same house and he's going to revive the same uh, drug overdose victim there. He's going to do it the second and the third and the tenth and the twentieth time. God as well forgives our sins as we come before him. As many times as we sin, he forgives them by his grace in Christ but he wants us to live in that grace and to live in that freedom and to live in that newness of life that he has given to us as his new creation. And so how do we do that? Well, in our text for today, it tells us really that God has prepared in advance good works for us to do. You might wonder, well, what are those good works that God wants me to do personally? What, is, what has God planned for me well, don't think too hard. It's really not a big mystery. God has laid down before us in his word how he wants us to live our lives for him, to live lives of good works. We really have to look no further than the Ten Commandments and to think about what God tells us there and not just what he prohibits, but also what he encourages by them as well. How God wants us to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. How he wants us to use his name for a good purpose, to pray, praise, and give thanks. How he wants us to regularly come to hear his word and to receive his holy supper, to grow and be strengthened in our faith. How he wants us as well to love our neighbor as ourself, to honor those in authority, to protect life, to also want to keep ourselves sexually pure and protect the institution of marriage to want to guard our neighbor's property and to guard their good name as well, not spreading gossip and lies, but speaking well of them. And of course, to be content with all that God has given us. Yes, he has laid all that before us in his word as he encourages us, this is how I want you to live, knowing that you have the sure hope of eternal life, knowing that you're going to heaven, 
knowing that I have made you a new creation through faith in my Son. Live now in that faith. Live now in that freedom and forgiveness. But along with this, it's also good for us as well to talk about vocation. And vocation is a word, I'm sure you're familiar, that means calling. And the way we often think about that word in our world today is we think about it as our job or our career. And maybe you're, you're thinking, well, I'd certainly like to know where God has called me to serve and to work. What God wants me to do with the rest of my life. What sort of major he wants me to take here at Bethany or what sort of job he wants me to get. But it's good for us to think about vocation not just as something in the future, but something right now. To think about the callings that God has given you right now, today. What roles and responsibilities has he placed you in? Are you a teacher? Are you a student? Are you an employee? Are you an employer? Are you a parent? Are you a child? Are you a roommate? Are you a friend? Are you a citizen? Yes, we all have various roles that God has placed us in right now, today, at this very moment. And he encourages us to use those roles in service to him. We think about how do we, how do, we do that. Looking at Jesus' words as he speaks in the judgment scene in Matthew 25, after he's gone through this list of good works that believers have done in his name, he says this, just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. And he reminds us as we serve our fellow man in our various callings and roles and vocations, that we're not just doing it for them, but we're doing it for him. We're doing it for the one that, who loved us and bought us back for himself to give us the sure hope of heaven. And so we think about it very practically here today. I know that there's many staff members here of the college and, and to think about how can I carry out my role and my vocation to God's glory? Well, do a good job at, at the task that God has given you. Serve him by serving your fellow man, serving the students and the staff members here on this campus. Or think about the teachers here today. Fulfill your vocation by doing the very best you can to prepare your lessons and to teach your students and to guide them and direct them, to help them to learn. For you students as well, take your role seriously. Go to class on time. Do your homework. Also think about how can you befriend your fellow classmates and roommates and those that live in your dorm and those here on the campus. How can you show God's love to them and concern and care for them? But again, remember what Jesus said, just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. And I think that's important to remember. That's important to remember because the people that we serve in our vocations, they're often not going to show their appreciation and gratitude or maybe respond the way that they, we think that they should. And the reason they're not going to do that is because they're sinners just like us. They fall short every day just like us. And they are selfish and self-centered just like us. And so may your motivation not necessarily be them, but be him. Be the one who died and gave himself for you and has guaranteed your place in heaven. 
Yes, for us, we certainly treasure that we are saved by grace through faith alone. Not by our works, but what God has done for us in Christ. And also, we treasure the fact that not only has he paid for our sins on the cross, but he has also given us the gift of faith. He has also done that part of the good work to get us to heaven. We rejoice in God's grace for us in Christ. We rejoice in our certainty of heaven. May that motivate us as well to live our lives in service to God. Not to return back again to our sin, but to live as that new creation that he has made us. To live for him, to live in that eternal life that he has promised us forever in heaven. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. And please rise for prayer. Dear gracious Father, your mercies are new every morning. We cannot fully fathom or comprehend your love for us in sending your Son to pay the price for our sin and giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit through your word and sacrament by which you have made us a new creation and given us an eternal inheritance in heaven. Forgive us when we have not acted as those who possess new life and instead have returned again to our sins and selfishness. Renew us each day with the knowledge of your grace as we confess our sins to you and help us now to live our lives in service to you walking in those good works that you have prepared for us to do. To your glory. Amen.
In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the love of God, in the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen.